Hallelujah for the cross. I like that song. I hope that encouraged you today. Acts chapter number 13, we are going to pick up reading in verse number 13 this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse number 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga. Um, in Pamphylia, and, jo- and John, uh, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Phasida and went, in, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. With a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of a tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus Christ. When John, he's speaking of John the Baptist here, had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John filled his course, fulfilled his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but I, behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. I want you to look with me. I want to take our verse number 26, our text this morning. Men and women, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. You see, this is not, this gospel that is being preached here that Paul's going to speak of is not just to the people of Israel. They're in a synagogue, he's preaching. But the message is not just to the Jews. The message that he's going to preach here is to the Jews and to whoever there, he says, fears God. Whoever there is, is listening to you is the word of salvation sent. For they, in verse number 27, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. Well, this message that Paul is going to speak of and preach here at this synagogue, what an amazing message. It's something they've never heard before. 
this group, they're, they're thinking that they have to earn their way to heaven. They have to fulfill the law. They have to be obedient. They have to uh, uh, be a good person in order for them to obtain heaven. And Paul comes in in the midst of them once they're finished reading this scripture. And he says, there's one that uh, has, has fulfilled the law. There's one that all the prophets prophesied. There's one that, that has come and he has made an atonement for your sin. He is Jesus Christ. And he says he was, he was placed on that tree and God raised him from the dead. He's preaching and speaking of Jesus Christ here. We come to this point in our study in Acts chapter number 13. We've seen God raise up the church. In the beginning of Acts, we saw these, these people come together 3,000 saved at one day, and then multitudes of people saved every day and added to the church. The church was a growing church, and in Jerusalem was the hub of activity, uh, activity for this church. This church in Jerusalem, it was a, a healthy church. It was a growing church. It was a vibrant place. I often wonder what it was like to be here at this church in Jerusalem. Such an activity, a, a stir that everyone knew that something was happening here in Jerusalem. These Christians, these followers of Christ, every day more and more people are being added to this church. The church learned the power of prayer. I believe it's important for us to understand that the only way for us to live the victorious Christian life is, is through prayer. They learned how to be hospitable to the people they didn't know. People were coming from all around and, and trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. They also learned to suffer persecution. This church was learning. This church was thriving. This church was growing. They thrived through all of these things. Their story is the, really the same as our story. God is working in your life to, to make Jesus Christ known. He's using all that he chooses to accomplish this mission. Really, the church today should be no different than the church in Acts. I believe that's why God gave us this story, this, the, the Acts of the Apostles, so that we could see what a, a healthy, vibrant New Testament church should look like. A church should be praying. A church should be growing. A church is going to suffer persecution. But a church doesn't have to, doesn't have to die. It doesn't have to diminish. It can thrive even during persecution. And we see that how is because God's hand was upon this church. Now the word of God has reached Antioch and we've studied up to this point. God isn't done. Just because persecution came to Jerusalem and people were scattered and had to move to different places, God was really just beginning what he was going to do with the church so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forth through all the world. He desired his word to continue so that his command was fulfilled. Go ye into all the world and, and preach the gospel to every living creature. That was the command that God gave to the disciples. That's the command that the church had there in the book of Acts. And, and that's the command we as believers today must fulfill and must follow to, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We call that missions or the work of missions. 
The church is not just about a single location and, and build a, a kingdom for itself and, and, and uh, uh, make sure that all of our needs are met and, and not care about the, the, uh, uh, the world. But, but the Bible tells us to take in the gospel into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost. And we're to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ that uh, we hear preached here. We're to take that and to take it into all the world. It's a command for every generation. It's not just a command for a few. It's not just a command for the the first church. It's not just a command for the church at Antioch. It's a command for Monclova Road Baptist Church today to take the gospel to every living creature. We come right in the middle of these chapters here in the book of Acts, and we're going to see a shift take place. In chapter number 13, we see where much of Jerusalem before this was mentioned, and activity in Jerusalem and and activity in Antioch. Now we find this. Paul begins what we call his first missionary journey. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be preached to the known world. And what a wonderful, wonderful story this is. I want you to, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to notice in verse number 13, I want you to notice the surrender of missions, the surrender that we see here. When Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they, they loosed, they, these men were determined to follow the Lord through difficult situations. These men, they, it, it wasn't a vacation. This wasn't, this wasn't Paul and his men saying, hey, we hear of a, a good cruise ship, Tom, that we're going to get on, and, and hopefully they've got some good music on this ship and some good food, and, and if we get an opportunity to, to tell somebody about Christ, we'll take that opportunity. No, this was a mission that they were on. God had called them to this. This was a surrender because this was not going to be an easy trip. Matter of fact, I I want you to know this today, and this goes against much preaching that you might hear elsewhere, but, but, but to be a surrendered servant of Jesus Christ, it takes work and it takes surrender. Now, you don't have to earn your way to salvation. Jesus Christ did all the work for you. He took every sin that you have ever committed. The worst thing that you have ever done, Jesus took that sin and, and it, he took it to the cross and he shed his blood. And all you must do to be saved, repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. That's all that's necessary. There's no works required for you to be saved. But I want you to know this, once you are saved, it takes surrender. No, you don't work to keep your salvation because Jesus did everything necessary there on the cross. It was sufficient, nothing more needed. But there is a surrender. And I see here there's a surrender of the missions. These men, they are determined, no matter what happens, to follow through, even through difficult situations. And my friend, I, I believe this, and, that, and the more as we read the word of God, as the more we see that the Lord's return is going to come at any time, I mean, you just have to look what's happening around you. Look at the Bible, and I believe, I believe, even before this message is done today, that Jesus Christ can come again, and he can can call his children home. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. And I pray it happens in this generation. 
But until then, we must stay busy with what God has commanded us to do. And until that trump sounds, until he calls his church to heaven, we must be busy with, with being surrendered to getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. It's needed. Even through difficult times. I believe this church, the church needs to get stronger. Persecution is going to come. If we're not careful, we're so easily offended. The Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend thee. If we're not careful, we get, do we get to be so anemic? We need to be strong. We need to be healthy. We need to, we need to even through difficult situations, be determined that we are going to be surrendered to the call of Jesus Christ. I want you to see in verse number eight of this chapter, in verse number, or chapter number 13, verse number eight, there is a man, this sorcerer. The Bible says of this man, look with me, the last part of this uh, verse, he withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. There was this man that practiced witchcraft. There was this man that did everything he can in whatever powers that he had, whatever magic that he had, whatever witchcraft he could, this sorcerer did whatever he could to discourage Paul and his company. He did whatever he could to discourage them. He did whatever he could to stop them from fulfilling what, what their surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ was. I, I want you to see this, that, that this surrender, it even came through spiritual opposition. We preached this a couple weeks back, and I, and I want to just mention it again this morning because we are going to face spiritual opposition, and it's not a time for the church to quit. It's a time for the church to recognize what spiritual opposition looks like and stay surrendered to the call of Christ on our life. These men not only faced spiritual opposition, they also faced physical opposition, the Bible tells us in verse number 13 that they loosed, they went on this ship and often you would find where storms would come. They would come and you would find even, we'll study later on in uh, uh, Acts, the, toward the end of Acts that this great storm came and, and Paul was even shipwrecked and left for dead. These great storms would come in the Mediterranean and these ships aren't like the ones that we see today, these, these cities that are made, uh, uh, these cruise lines. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about wooden uh, ships that were tossed. And, and uh, I remember several years ago, I went out, somebody invited me on a deep sea fishing trip about 25 miles off coast. I should have probably started with maybe a mile off coast and kind of settled in. They took us in the Atlantic Ocean, about 25 miles off coast, and a storm came up. And uh, it was bad. There was only one guy left fishing. About 80 of us were on this boat. Only one guy was left fishing. Even the captain was sitting Indian style up on his little perch, Indian style. He was praying. And when I looked up there and saw the captain crying and praying, I knew we were in trouble. I don't have a desire. I've had other people offer, hey, you want to go fishing? I don't even want to go fishing on the land anymore because of that experience. I can't imagine being out there and having to endure some of the things that Paul and his company endured. Paul was beaten. Paul was jailed. Paul was physically, physically wounded. He was stoned. They took Saul and, or Paul and they put him in a pit and threw rocks on top of him, hoping that he would die and they left him for dead. He, he, he was abused physically. 
But even though he suffered physically, he still was surrendered to the call that God had on his life. You see, he suffered spiritually, he suffered physically. I want you to see here in this passage of scripture as well, the Bible says the last, toward the last verse of verse number 13, and, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. One of Paul's friends, one that went with Paul on this trip, left, went back. Paul was left to continue with those that were with him while John left and went back to Jerusalem. Oftentimes you would find, as Paul writes, you would find where Paul, somebody close to Paul, they left him. You would find often where somebody close to Paul that Paul loved forsook him and and went back into the world. You find often where Paul writes of, he got close to somebody, he shared the gospel with somebody, they were growing in the faith, and they turned and they've left the faith, and you'd find this emotional uh, 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 difficulty, these emotional situations that he went through, departure of friends. So we find here that in order for us, we, saw, we find the surrender of missions, that we, even though we're going to face spiritual opposition, even though we're going to face physical opposition, even though we're going to face emotional opposition, there's no excuse for us not to continue will work that Christ has called us to. Paul here is continuing. Listen to me, ministry is not easy. It's not easy. When you deal with people, it's not easy. I say this often where there's people, there's problems. I don't say that to discourage anyone. The reality is this, when there's people, there's problems. There's people here in this room this morning that are going through problems. It might be spiritual opposition. It might be physical. It might be emotional. But you're going through problems, and ministry is people. Listen to me, church. Ministry is not a building. Church is not a building. It's people. Church is not a program. It's people. Church is not a policy keeping. It's people. It's actively engaging yourself with people. And when you do that, problems can arise. We see in this passage the heartache that can come. Well, listen to me. Today, I'm simply trying to get us to understand if we're going to fulfill what Christ has called us to, we have to be surrendered. All of us love to serve and all of us love to be involved in something that's moving forward and, and something that is, is pleasurable and something that never has any problems. But hear me today, ministry isn't that way. Oh, there are those times, those glimpses of times where there's great uh, successes. Oh, listen, there's so many times where there is such great joy. We're going to baptize in the, in the 11 o'clock service. And, and I think that we've baptized every week now uh, except two weeks of this year. We've seen nine families join the church this year, and all those are wonderful things. We, we've learned of, of people that are uh, uh, with child and, and going to have babies this year, and, and what a wonderful thing that is. We've learned of people being saved and, and baptized. What a wonderful thing that is. We've, we've learned of, of great things, and we've been a part of, of great joys, but at the same time, we've, we've been at the bedside of people that are hurting. We've learned of those that we love with cancer. We've been at the, the funeral of those that we love. You know, ministry is difficult, but we must stay surrendered to what Christ has called us to. Don't quit, church. Don't quit when spiritual opposition comes. Satan is going to do anything he can and everything everything he can to get you to stop serving Jesus. Don't quit. Don't quit. There is always going to be heartache. 
but God uses this heartache for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's where we must keep our focus. God is doing something in that heartache. God is doing something. When that sorcerer, he withstood Saul and withstood those that were with him. You know what God did? God did something with that. He, Paul, persevered. He stayed faithful. He stayed surrendered. And that deputy trusted Jesus Christ as his savior. Through that opposition that he faced, others will come to Christ and God will use your heartache so that others can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Say surrendered, church. A surrender is necessary. A surrender to God's will, a surrender to God's plan, and a surrender to God's way. We must understand that we don't have the pleasure of choosing what we want life to look like. You, 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 don't, you don't get the, the choose you, we might want to at times. And, and boy, we think about it and we dream about it. But the reality is this. We must be surrendered to God's way. Whatever God chooses to do or fulfill in our life, we must be surrendered to that. That means when heartache comes, we realize that God is doing his perfect work. When emotional uh, a heartache comes, we know that God is doing his perfect work. When that physical heartache comes, we know that God, is doing his perfect work. Whatever you're going through today, realize this, believe this, have faith in this, that God is doing his perfect work in your life so that others could come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the work of missions. There's a constant wrestling that takes place. And sometimes, church, I think we forget this. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, there's a wrestling that takes place constantly. There's a wrestling in my life every Saturday night. There's a wrestling that takes place. I sense it. You know, when I first started pastoring, I didn't, wasn't really sure what it is. And so I would uh, uh, try to deal with it different ways. But you know what I realized there? There's a wrestling that takes place every single Saturday evening in my life. And that's a wrestling because of what happened Sunday morning. I realize there's spiritual opposition. I mean, if there's anything that can annoy me or get under my skin in my house, it always happens on Saturday night. Monday through Friday, never. Saturday night, I mean, I mean, if there's going to be, if, if, if someone's going to be sick, if, 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 if the dogs need to go out, if, if, if uh, we're going to eat a bad meal, not that my wife ever cooks bad meal, if we go out to dinner that night, I mean, um, it's always going to be that Saturday evening. You know what I've re- learned to realize? There's spiritual opposition because of what takes place on Sunday morning. We need to recognize that. I mean, this is why at, it is so important. It's why it's so important because of this opposition and in the, in the thought of the work of missions, it's so important for this church, for a sending church to be fervently praying. This church has a responsibility to get the gospel around the world. You say, how am I going to do that? I work a full-time job. I can't leave. I don't feel that God's calling me to leave, to take my family to an unknown place. You know, maybe God's not calling you to do that. But the church is still responsible. 
This church ought to be praying. It ought to be fervently praying that the gospel would go forth around the world, praying for our missionaries, praying that maybe God is sending you, praying for the faith to be surrendered to what he's calling you to do. Financially giving, it's important for us to be giving so that our missionaries financially can stay on the field so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth and faithfully growing. You see, what happens, you say, well, missions is something that happens at a faraway place. Missions is something that takes place in Asia or Africa or, or South America or, or some jungle somewhere or some, some, some Amazon rainforest where, you know, where, where people are different and uncivilized. No, missions start right here in the New Testament church. It started right there in Antioch, a church. They faithfully and fervently were praying. They financially were giving to Paul and Barnabas and others so that they could continue, and they were continuing to grow. Listen, the health of this church is important for the work of missions. The health of the sending church is so important so that the surrender of the missionary can fulfill God's plan for the gospel. I said this to you last week, and it's, it's an epidemic here in our country. It's an epidemic in the New Testament church in our nation today. More missionaries are coming off the field than going on the field. And that ought to concern us. Less are being surrendered. Churches are, are closing up by the, by the thousands. I talked to a pastor of a, of a denominational church uh, this past week. We ran, each, ran into each other at a store, and, and uh, he said to me, he said, well, pray. He was telling me about the denomination he's a part of. They're getting ready to take a big vote, and he says the denomination is wanting to go a direction that the, the people aren't wanting to go. And I said, what is that going to do? And he said, what it's going to do is they're going to be kicked out of their churches, he says these churches now are going to be sitting because a lot of these churches are small and they can't afford their, their buildings without the help of the denomination. And they said, so what, what's, I said, what's going to happen? He says, you're going to find churches all over the place popping up for sale. And I said in my mind, I'm going to buy every one of them. I don't know how. But I, boy, I've been praying, Lord, give us every one of those churches. And raise up men in our church that, 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 that are called to, 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 to pastor and, and we'll fill those churches up and every single week we'll get up with the word of God and we'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we'll see boys and girls and men and women saved and baptized and discipled and, 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 and every empty church, every time I drive past, it doesn't even have to be a church if it's an empty building. When I drive past it, I see a church there. That's what God's doing in my heart. I'm, I mean, I want to start a church next door. If you don't like Monclova Road, come to Monclova Road too, you know? We'll start churches everywhere. I'll just put my glasses on at one place, take them off the other place. You want to know the difference. I like that preacher, not that one. I don't like the way he preaches. I think every, every building I see, I see a church started. Every person, every, every man I see, I say, God, call him. Every young person I see, I say, God, call him. You see, there's a surrender. Number two, let me hurry here. Number two in verse number 14, we find the Bible tells us that they departed. In the last part of verse number 14, the Bible says they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. 
And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent, un, uh, sent unto them, saying, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and began to preach. You see, I see the surrender of missions. Secondly, we see the labor of missions. Hear, hear me, missions is hard work. It requires action. Here, here we, we see it requires three things. In verse number 14, it, in, it requires involvement in the culture. You, you know what we find when Paul and Barnabas came? The first thing they did is they just simply went to where the people were. Now I'm going somewhere with this. And hear me, church, I'm not aiming for your toes. I'm aiming for your heart here. I find that they involved themselves in the culture. Secondly, I find this, they listened before they spoke. You see, Paul and his company went to the synagogue and, and they involved themselves in what was going on. They listened as they sat there. And thirdly, they engaged with the people. You see, that's the work of missions. This is the model that we see Paul and his team employing here. Hear me, we expect missionaries to do this. We expect a missionary to go to Africa and we expect that missionary to in, involve himself in the culture, listen to their beliefs and then engage with the people. But I believe this, the reason why the church in America in many cases is dying today is because they've stopped doing this. Oh, as long as everything in the church fits my needs, as long as it's comfortable and Everything is the way I want it to be. We're building monuments to man and we're building social clubs. And boy, if something doesn't go just the way we want it to go, boy, it tips us upside down. More people might in the church get offended because they weren't asked their opinion than if the baptismal waters weren't being stirred. Here we find in this church the, the work of missions. We find the labor of missions. They involve themselves in the culture. Hear me, a church ought to continue to be involved in the culture around us. I'm not saying become the culture. I'm not saying take on the culture. I, I, I'm totally opposed to that. I, I believe that we're supposed to be a peculiar people. I believe that we're supposed to, uh, 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 it's evident as the, as the Bible says in Antioch, they were first called Christians because they behaved like Christians. Listen to me, we ought to be different. We ought to speak different. We ought to think different. We ought to live different. There ought to be a difference between a Christian and the world. But oh, Christian, we can't just take ourselves out of the world and go live absent from the world. No, we are supposed to be in the world, just not of the world. In order for us to reach this world, in order for us to reach Monclova and Maumee and, and Waterville and White House and, and Toledo and, and Sylvania and all the areas around, in order for us to reach them, we must be involved in with them. We've pulled back. We don't want anything to do. We, we don't know our neighbors. We don't know our, our coworkers. We, 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 we don't know the society that we're living in. And every single one of us is called to be a missionary in your community. 
Oh, we want, we want the missionary that goes to Africa. We want you to win souls, but we're not doing it back home. We want you to, to go to, to Asia, and we want you to, to win souls and, and, and start churches, but we're not doing it back home. Hear me, church. I believe that we in this generation are failing because we're not involving ourselves in the culture of people so that we can get the gospel of Jesus Christ into their life. They're listening. He's listening. They're sitting there listening so that they understand where they're coming from. And then what Paul is doing is he's engaging. In verse number 16, then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to ask us, each of us here today, if we had a report card on our labor, how would we be doing? What mark would you give yourself? Matter of fact, what mark would someone else give you? How would the world think that Monclova Road Baptist Church is doing as we're trying to involve ourselves in the community so that we can give them the gospel of Jesus Christ? How are we doing? We can get so busy with life. We get so busy with good things that I'm, I'm afraid that we miss the best thing. That's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing a soul saved. We're listening, we're engaging. We ought to utilize this model here on our own mission field as well. What we require missionaries ought to be modeled by our church. Listen, we have right here in our community people that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got an email last week, two weeks ago, from a church up in Detroit. They said, we're looking everywhere we can for a pastor and we can't find anybody. Can you help? I got an email last night. Last night, I saw it this morning from a church in Holland. They said, we're looking for a pastor. Do you know anybody that can help? Churches are dying. People are lost. In this church in Holland that said, we're looking for a pastor, they're down just for, to a handful of people and there's, they've lost pretty much all hope. Less than a mile from their church, there's a old, old uh, Kroger or, or, or store that has been bought by the Muslim community and they're building a mosque there and they've just raised the tower in our backyard. Christianity is no longer the fastest growing religion in America. They say in America, we live in a post-Christian um, culture now. The average American does not attend church. The average American does not believe that this book is the word of God. Even those that claim to be Christians don't believe that there's only one way to heaven. In church, this is our generation. This is our mission. This is our time to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. We love people. 
And we need to get them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me today. We must be involved. We must be willing to listen. And we must be willing to engage. How will they know if we don't? Let, let, let that sink in. I tell you, the Bible says this in Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's not, that, that verse doesn't mean a pastor like my position. That means you and me as Christians, as believers, going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. How will they know? Thirdly, I see this. I see the surrender in verse 13. I see the labor in verse 14 and 15. In verse number 17, I see this message of missions. Look with me in verse number 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelled as strangers in the land of Egypt. With a high arm brought them, he, them out. And from verse number 17 all the way down to as we read in verse number 24, when John first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. As John fulfilled his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am, I am not worthy to loose, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is this word of this salvation sent. He becomes, begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the message of missions. We see first that he begins with the history of Israel, the purpose, why God had a chosen people. God had a chosen people because through that people, there was going to come a line in the lineage that the Messiah was going to come. You see, all the way back in Genesis, when man sinned, God said, there's a plan that I have. It's a plan of redemption. Man uh, began to die that moment. They began to sin. They, they took of that, that fruit of that tree, and, and sin entered the world. But God was not satisfied. He didn't say, you know what, man? You've done this to yourself. Now you deal with the consequence. No, he had a plan. He said, I want to reconcile, redeem mankind back to me. I can't leave man in this hopeless state because in this hopeless state, man is going to die and be separated from God for all of eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but we know this that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and because of that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God sent his son into this world so that he could be the payment for for our sin, the atonement for our sin. And Paul began to preach the message of missions. Oh, hear me. The message of missions is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm all for doing everything good. I think that we ought to go feed the poor. I think we ought to go clothe those that are, that, are, that are naked. I believe that we ought to go down and help those that are sick, but we ought to do it so that we can give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what good is it someone that's clothed and dies and go to hell? What good is it someone hungry but dies and goes to hell? What is it good somebody healthy but dies and goes to hell? I think every one of those things ought to be an opportunity for us to get involved in the culture 
culture of people. So then once we clothe them, we can tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Once we feed them, we can tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Once we help them, we can say, I want to introduce to you a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's the message of missions. We find the history of Israel, the people. They choose a king, and God's plan was so that the Messiah could come in verses 22 through 23. We get down to verse number 26 through verse number 37, and for sake of time, you read those verses, we see the messages proclaimed. We find here the invitation to receive. Look with me in verse number 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. Who is that man? He's preaching of Jesus Christ. You'll find he's preaching of that if you were to read these verses above this. He says, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. You know, what we find here, he preaches the message. He, 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 he talks of the forgiveness of sins. Oh, there's people living today that they're trying to get their sins forgiven. Jesus Christ, he forgave your sins. He went to the cross. Your sin debt is paid. Hear me, God, there, God in his holiness and God in his, in his uh, uh, power, he sits in heaven and he cannot allow sin into his presence. And so what did he do? He gave his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ made an atonement for your sin and your sins have been forgiven. Will you accept that forgiveness? You know, most, probably the most tragic thing that I can think of is someone whose sin debt has been paid, but that they refuse to receive it, they die and spend eternity in hell. And for all of eternity, they realize that debt was paid, yet they refuse to receive. Could you imagine this if I would have said to you, listen, your mortgage is paid for. It's paid for. Uh, yo, 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 money on your home, it's paid for. The debt is paid. All you have to do is get the check. And you say, nope. Nope. I'm going to work the rest of my life to pay off that debt. And so many people are doing that today with salvation. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt on the cross. He's forgiven you, and you refuse to accept that forgiveness. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give. I'm going to work. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to do it my way. And the whole time, your debt has been paid for, but you refuse to receive it. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even unto them that believe on his name. Your sin debt's paid for. Will you receive that free gift today? Your sins have been forgiven. Will you accept that free gift of salvation? And oh, listen to me here. He says this, not only he preached to them the forgiveness of sins, he said this, the Bible says, and, and uh, in verse number 39, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. Now, that word all, what does that word all mean, Steve? 
almost everything? All. Tom, almost everything? Everything? That word all means all. That means this, every single sin that you've ever committed has been paid for. Every sin, all. All but one? No, all. All but that real bad one? No, all. All but, the, but, but, but this thing? No, all. Listen to me today, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, realizing this, that he is justified. What does justified mean? Just as if you'd never sinned. It's the best way to understand what justified means. He said you are justified when God sees you, when he sent Jesus Christ to the cross. He died for your sins. The person that says, I receive that gift of salvation, I repent of my sins, and I turn to Jesus, and I confess you as my Savior. When God sees you, he no longer sees your sins sin. He sees you in Christ. You are justified. He says it's just as if you had never sinned. When he doesn't see a sinner anymore, he sees his child. That's what it means there. You see, that's the message. The message of missions. Let it be known in every nation. Let it be known in every land. Let it be known to every people and every tribe that the atonement for your sin has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the message, church, that we need to leave here with. Let it be known to every nation. Let it be known to every tongue. Let it be known to every tribe that your sin debt is paid for because of Jesus Christ. It's the message of missions. So why do we care? Because there's a generation coming up behind us that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. An old man going a lonely highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm fast, vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide the old man crossed in the twilight dim. The rapids held no fears for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, cried a fellow pilgrim, pilgrim near, you're wasting your time in building here. Your journey will end with the closing day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend in the path I have come, he said. There follows after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This dream, which has been as naught to me, to that fair youth may be a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. You see, Vision 2020 is a generational vision. Church, we must care about our generation and reach our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must plant churches and send missionaries for the sake of the gospel because there's coming behind us a generation. And it is your, my responsibility, yours and mine, to build a bridge so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can continue. I don't want it to die. 
I don't want it to die with our generation. I don't want it said of our generation that we've seen no great revivals. I don't want it to say in our generation that Christianity is dying and is dead. I don't want it to say in our generation that churches by the thousands are closing up every year. I want it said of our generation that we're building a bridge because there's a generation behind us that had the gospel of Jesus Christ that we need to pioneer the way and lead the way so that others could hear the gospel message. Church, will you commit to do the work of missions? There's a surrender, there's a labor, and there's a message. And oh, I pray that we're serious and committed with it. Father, help us today.